All right, guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the major sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the highest quality ingredients on the market along with the best tasting products. You guys can head to unifyactive.com and use the code DJK10 to get 10% off all products on the website. So that's DJK10 at unifyactive.com to save 10% on all products with Unify Health Supplements. Let's get stuck into the show. My name is Jono Hansford. Uh, I'm a skills trainer for a bunch of NBL athletes and a lot of state kids in Victoria. And welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Nailed the intro there, brother. Nice work. <laughs> welcome to the show, Jono. Thank you very much for having me. Having me, I feel honoured. Absolute pleasure, man. Um, obviously, I kind of come across your content only recently, but then doing a bit of a deep dive through all of your stuff. You know, me being a, a former basketballer myself and someone who's super interested in in the sport still and and involved in it a little bit as well. Um, we've got a lot of mutual interest, which is cool, and I love the way you go about things. But would you be able to explain to me, because I don't know either, um, as well as the listeners, like how your journey as a, as a skills coach, but even just in basketball and generally in general came about? Uh, I, starting from more of a young age, I played uh, relatively high level basketball as a junior. So sort of, if you don't know, there's like different grades of basketball if you're a non-basketball athlete. So I played 12 ones when I was younger and played pretty much high level my whole junior career. Who were you playing with? I played with Melbourne Tigers um, when I was younger, yep. which was just like sort of under Andrew Gaze and a bunch of those guys, which was awesome. True, yeah. Um, so definitely learned so much from that. And as I as I grew up, I was at Sandringham for a little bit and I went to another club, but overall it was just, it was just an awesome experience. I think basketball is a very um, – you meet so many different people from different lifestyles and I think you just learn so much, not even just like the game, but also how, like how you communicate with other people from just yeah. different areas. And I think – that's something when you look back on like how that's special. Um, I I had aspirations to play at a quite a high level. I I did all right. Like I was still, I know definitely an above average basketball player. But I guess for me, there's times in life where sort of work takes over. Yeah. And things happen where you can't just always go with like a passion. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You got to look at what your priorities are. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I had to start working um, when I was. 17 just to just help out and things like that at home so i had to start work um and i was just coaching the mornings and evenings uh one of them from a friend of mine tubber murphy because he needed a hand one morning and i fell into it and i just loved it yeah and so i was i was actually just just working in retail and then doing a bit of management and stuff like that and but in the mornings and evenings i was just coaching every hour i could yeah and i just had such a passion for it where every minute that I wasn't working on like my sort of manager role, I was just in the gym learning. And I had always had a fascination with working with older athletes uh, because I, I, th I think that as you get older and you start playing more professional sports, there's less things that you probably can learn. So I think if you can okay. More because you think these guys have played 25 years of a yeah. pro career. Yeah. How much are you really going to teach them? And a lot of these guys just get in the gym and just sort of rep shots out. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that if you can 
get some level of beneficial and, and growth. It's kind of a special thing in the pro world. Yeah. And um, I, I guess for the athlete as well, their mindset's probably similar. Like, you know, I'm at the top level, um, you know, maybe 25 to 30, whatever. Mm. How much more can I really improve? Yeah. So it kind of gets to the point where they plateau and, and just almost go on autopilot in terms of where their skill set's at. Yeah. I think I think also that I'm, I'm pretty lucky in life where I figured out my mission more so like what makes me tick as a human. Mm-hmm. And I guess that like... It was funny because I, I worked with Ben Air for over six months, eight months or whatever it was. We were just in the gym every day and we are just getting better and getting better. And then he... So, yeah, for those for those of you who don't know who Ben Air is, um, was junior basketballer at McKinnon. Yep. yep. And then went and played college. Yeah, I did, some, yeah. did some... Um, and now in the NBL. College. Yeah, yep. and now he's a killer in the NBL. But Ben was like just crazy work ethic, really wants to learn, really got after it. I just loved it. And... The moment I figured out I wanted to, I like sort of understood what makes me tick as a human was more like the moment he sort of started stepping on that NBL court and like just killing it. Like I'm talking like 20 and 10 against Golding, like really cool games. And I was over here thinking like as much as it's cool to like have the social media and be like the guy in the training world, I just, nothing filled me more as a human as like, seeing my athletes win yeah and i think from like all levels so i i also coach like community basketball i still coach mckinnon um even though i don't have the time for it i do it because that's genius yeah yeah um i do it just because i love it and i had good coaching when i was younger yeah and so i guess that like seeing these athletes win and having small little um just pieces of development i feel thankful that i can have a have a small give back Yeah. yeah Yeah. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that moment when you realize that you found, as you said, what your purpose and your real mm. passion is and, and kind of then it's blinkers on and it's like, you know, I'm fucking going all in with this yep. and, you know, we're having a quick chat before you record and you're mentioning, you know, the attention to detail you go into with your athletes and with mastering your craft, which is fucking awesome. As a, you mentioned as a junior, you know, you were lucky to have some good coaches. Mm. Um, when you first started taking those sessions before and after work and morning and night, was there a passion or was there an intent there to one day become a coach, whether it be of a team or as a skills coach? Like when you were playing as a junior, did you kind of look at someone like a Drewy or whatever and go like, you know, I'm learning from them or was it just a kind of natural transition? I didn't ever, I didn't really ever think I wanted a coach uh, in the slightest. I, yeah. just, I like people as like, or every work I've done, I like learning and I like people. Yeah. And I fell into coaching purely by accident. And I think that when I was younger, I, I it takes me a little while to learn things. I'm like really dyslexic. Okay. And so like it took, takes me a time to figure out solutions to problems. And so I think that. What have you, sorry to cut you yeah. off. What have you found? I'm just intrigued, like from a learning environment or a learning perspective, like what have you found is the best way for you? Is it visual audio? Is it, is it written and then rewriting? Like, I'm just interested to hear like how that plays out. Why well, I, I, from a learning perspective, getting the most done, connecting with information, I like to audio and visual helps me really well. That's okay. why I connect with podcasts. I think podcasts are awesome. So yeah. I respect highly what you do. <laughs> um, I think it really connects with people for the yeah. most part. Uh, and then I think if I have goals myself, like I'll visualize and then I'll write them down. Even though writing isn't my thing, I, I think that having something like tangible on paper and seeing it every day, mm. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, but more to what I was saying, I think because learning was more challenging for me, I think that built 
very simple and clear ways to teach. And I think it was really adaptable uh, by a lot right. of athletes. Yeah. So particularly when, if we're going over hard substance, how can I make this extremely digestible and practical for the use of my athletes? Mm-hmm. And so the, the same, it doesn't change if I'm with a 12-year-old athlete and a 26-year-old athlete or a 28-year-old athlete. Of course, the content might be harder, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter what the content is. It's if I can't communicate clearly and adjust to the way they learn, yeah. I'm not going to be a good teacher. Yeah. And if I want to be the best in the world at what I do, I've got to make sure that I can adapt to what they need and clearly deliver it in a way that's yeah. digestible. Yeah. Absolutely. There's probably people that know more about everything than I do, but if they can't talk about it, they're going to get held back. Mm. Mate, that carries over to fucking many things. Like that was one of the things I learned really early on, even as a personal trainer. It's like you can have all the fucking Bachelor of Science degrees and you can go and do all these courses and whatnot, but if you can't then implement it and in real time be able to have that play out with the client or be able to adapt it with different uh, variables and whatnot, then it means fuck all. As a so as a skills coach, like I'm interested to to hear how so someone like a Ruben Tarangi, right? Mm. Um, or or Ben Air or whoever it may be, when they come to work with you, like are they coming to you with a problem they need fixing or are they coming to you saying, Hey, can you just tell me what you think I need to improve? It depends on the athlete. Uh, Ruben had I don't I don't want to share all the secrets, but Ruben had a thing about more just about using his weight and, and learning how to use his body because like Manny's like six foot five, six foot six, built like a brick shit house, but didn't t- always know how to actually use his size. Mm-hmm. And there's times where even we would play and I'd push him off his line or whatever it is. And for me, so that he came with me with a goal in mind, but from that after I train someone for sort of three, four sessions, there's key things I look for, whether that be like driving lines, the way they're using their hips, the way their shots shooting. Like, so I think it's more um, with me and Ruben, like we'll get after it five, six days a week and we'll just do that for weeks and I'll fly to New Zealand and I'll train him and we'll just get after as much as possible because like he's someone that one, he wants to learn. He's also seeing a fair bit of value, which is awesome. Yeah, and for sure. As long as he's seeing value and he's getting better, we're going to get after it. We're not mm-hmm. really focusing on that many things, maybe three different subject matters, um, but he's just a killer. People like Ben. Ben is someone that's really talented, so I'm more – I have to – my job is to basically make his life really easy when he's on the court. How can I make decisions quick as quick as possible? Mm-hmm. Can I tell him what to look for and yep. then – just make his life as easy as hell because you could think you've got there's so many things going on around you. How can we simplify it? Make it really, really simple and just make his life easy. Yeah. Do you then look at someone like, um, you know, I automatically think of someone like a Chris Brickley, right? Mm. Is that a pathway that, uh, that, that you're kind of going down or wanting to go down? And do you see yourself in similar lanes as someone like that? I think Chris is incredible. I think that his ability ability to communicate and work with his athletes is just bar like no one does it like Chris. I don't know Chris personally, but I've got mutual friends that talk extremely highly of him. I think that we're in slightly different lanes because I'm very much like give everything I know to the public and try and provide as much physical value as possible. Yeah. I think that Chris is more Slightly more. I think a lot of people find it really entertaining because the guys he coaches are like extremely high level. Yeah. And he's extremely good at his craft. But I think I'm more, my role in life is to service and to help people and provide as much value. And I think his work is excellent. 
but I think it's a different type of coaching. Okay. He's there to provide entertainment value and be a great trainer. Mm-hmm. I'm probably here to like provide um, maybe some entertainment, but probably more so learning and education. A little bit less sexy, but I, I respect what he From does. From a social media point of view mm-hmm. in, in advertising, yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense, definitely. Is that um, – so – I'm thinking like, so if you have someone like a, a pro that comes in, because I want to kind of get both angles because I know with the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast, there's like the audience is quite broad and I know there'll be parents listening who have their junior kids playing basketball, mm. but then also be athletes listening. So for an athlete who is, let's say they've been playing the sport of basketball for like 10, 15 years, right? Mm. And, you know, you've got good and bad habits that are quite ingrained. What is your process um, or your recommendation with someone to, who has clearly got a fault or a flaw in, in one of their skill sets that need to kind of strip it right back and, and almost go back to the basics and fundamentals and rebuild? Like, is that quite difficult for someone who is at that high level already to then completely change like a certain movement pattern or skill set or the way they're processing things mentally? Uh to clarify, are you looking for the answer for the junior athlete and for the pro athlete? Or Firstly, just the pro. Yeah, okay. yeah. For the pro athlete in particular. Or even just someone who may not be a pro but just been playing the game for a long time. Yeah, I understand. I, I guess that for more pro athletes is if these guys are like, for example, Ruben's 28. So yeah. I'm not going to come in and change a bunch of, bunch of muscle memory or I don't really want to even change the way he plays for the most part. He's he's a He's been playing for... 10 years basically Mm. and there's a world of knowledge that he knows that I don't even know because he's just he's been around the game so much and like half of my job is I'll listen and I'll learn when it comes to with someone that's more of like a pro athlete my job is to highlight what they do really well and slightly do more of it Mm -hmm. and I like to highlight the things that I'd like to slightly tweak but it's often if they're pros they often have a few things they do incredibly well and they might not know the problems they have or the reasons why things don't go the way. Like yep. For example, like if I'm in the gym with Ruben, his first session, he shot well, don't get me wrong. But for me, I want him going into sessions and shooting 95% and like barely missing. Yep. And so he still sort of, well, don't get me, don't yeah, get yeah, fucked yeah. up. But, but I want him not missing in the slightest because I believe if we can – if you can make one shot, we can make a hundred of those mm-hmm. and we've got to be in control of the way we move and the way we, we provide our actions. Yeah. And so if I'm looking at shooting and I'm saying Ruben, that's let's just say he's making eight out of 10. I'm thinking, how can we, how can we maximize his production to make 10 out of 10 of those shots? Yeah. And what's the process I make for him? Not just like go and rep it out. It's like, how do we fix this? If you miss one shot in game, what do you go do? And so I'm also all I'm doing there is doing more of what he already does well mm-hmm. and limiting those one or two times he's making mistakes. Yeah. And so by default, I've got better results. I'm not really reinventing the wheel. I'm just highlighting what he's doing well and doing more of it and limiting the flaws. But I'm not changing yeah. much. If that makes sense. So for then for someone like him in a game who let's say he comes out in the first quarter and, and misses his first mm. two. He's got a process. He's got a process to follow then to yep. really have that self-awareness of like, all right, what needs to change in yep. order for that third one to drop. Yeah, because he doesn't like you don't – if you're playing in the third best league in the world, which is the NBL, you – the the room for mistakes is quite low mm. unless you're like a starting five yeah. top player. Like I mean like starting five all-star, like first team, sorry. Yeah. So it's like if you aren't one of those guys and your role is you're getting paid to come on and make shots, you better make you shots. make shots, yeah. And then it's like if you're missing a shot, you can't go say, hang on, sub me out, go get on the shooting machine and shoot 45 minutes. Yeah. That's not how you fix it. you got to think, how do I – 
directly impact and make progress just by one one simple change of thought, not by thinking, how do I get frustrated? It's like, what do I need to focus on, make a clear decision and then go? Mm. And I would imagine having that process as well allows them to then bypass the mental frustration as well because instead of going like, fuck, I just missed the last four shots and I have no fucking idea why, Mm. it's like I know exactly what needs to change next time. So from a momentum and and also – you know, mood level of uh, in the game as well. I feel like that would be a lot more efficient. Absolutely. Like these athletes are passionate. Like yeah. They put so much towards it. And I think it's easy to get frustrated or get upset when things go down, down the plan. I also don't think it's okay. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to get pissed off, but I think use that energy and put it towards what do I change my next shot or what do I focus on rather than just shooting the same shot and nothing changes. Mm. So like it's the small basic stuff that makes the world a difference but I think sometimes you just need to hear it a different way and see yeah. it consistently. Yeah. So almost get that reassurance as well. Yeah. Like we film everything yeah. we do. So like the way I even started shooting content in the first place was because I was, because I was filming everything. It was because I could give it to my athletes after with a heap of notes, simple dot points, and then also a few little small ones. Yeah. And, and by accident I uploaded stuff that I thought people might like, but Every, like every session I'll do with Ruben or Ben or my guys, I'll send them like maybe 20 clips right. of them training. There'll be great examples of what they're doing right and what, and like from different angles the whole lot because I've only got like an hour with these guys. Yeah. But I want them to think, okay, in their spare time, okay, this makes sense and I see exactly why we're doing it. Because sometimes when you're shooting, you can't always self-correct mm-hmm. unless you see the action. Yeah. And then it becomes so obvious, those small little things. And then they are – you have to have belief. We're going to make a change. You, why are you going to trust some 21-year-old kid about why you should be making this small change? But then when you do it and then you're in the lab with me for a month and then you see the small twitch, you think, bloody hell, I yeah. understand, yeah. That's epic. How do you find the – before I ask you about the junior athlete side of things, how do you find the crossover of – Let's again, we'll use an example of Ruben. He's getting fair fucking promo here today. <laughs> we might have sent him an invoice. Um how do you then translate that? So let's say he's in the lab with you for like a month and mm. you know, he's getting really good, but then throw him back in a, in a game setting where there's nine other guys on the court with him. Yeah. Um, do you, is the crossover ever difficult for these athletes or how do you find that? The, the thing with me is like I don't – you might see like some moves and stuff on social media, but the thing with me is my stuff's very simple where it's like everything we do needs to be game applicable. Applicable, sorry. Yeah. And it's pretty much three-second actions, all straight lines, know your passing lines, every action we know why we're doing it. And a bunch of the non-sexy stuff you just don't see. Like you don't see us shooting the ball, running off reads, running off screens. Like the basic stuff we have to do because it's like just part of the job. Mm. And then the small things like we're driving this way because now if defense steps up, we have our passing lanes. This is where you, this is where you look, this is where your head turns. Mm -hmm. This is when you wait for those weak side. So it's always multidimensional. Yeah. Like you have to be able to blend it or nothing works. Yeah. I'm not sitting here just going, okay, dribble the ball with your right hand 17 times. Yeah. It's all read based and all game specific. For the junior athlete now, let's say they're learning, uh, they're trying to perfect their shooting technique or maybe ball handling or passing, whatever it may be. When it's a new skill, so it's like something that's just fresh that they're learning, so let's say like really junior, let's say under 12s or below or under 14s or below, um, is it still beneficial to have them in game pace scenario when they're trying to learn a skill from the ground up? I think it depends. I I coach under 14s community basketball because I love it. And I think that it's it's really special for these kids to get – 
um, coaching. I think basketball is also overall quite simple as well. Mm. Like there's a team aspect to basketball of like understanding spacing, understanding you're playing a team and there's an individual aspect. But realistically, it's pretty simple. It's like learn how to play wide, learn how to drive straight, learn how to bounce the ball with either hand and shoot the ball and you'll get pretty far. And then it just becomes to like, let's say if you're a smaller guard and you have to be able to bounce the ball because you're not going to be maybe jumping and dunking. That'll be when, okay, how do I really increase my handle? So I think it depends. But if it's something about making sure you learn a skill, like it's really basic. We just go out and practice. Mm. And I think that these days you've got so much valuable and education online for free you may as well just if you get to your session half an hour early get in the gym work on your ball handling or if it's like if it's just like you're missing layups just go if you if you just practice and you make like five of them with your right hand five of them with the left hand every day or every few days you will get better yeah so it's just it's not sexy compounding repetition it's not, yeah it's just consistently doing it and then implementing that into a game scenario. Because if you don't implement it, it's not really going to translate. Mm-hmm. For me, one thing that I think that connected with people more on the online side is I do a lot of reaction training. So a more a, a whole lot of like when I've got athletes that have, let's say they've learned the skill, they've drilled the skill, they understand why they do it. Mm-hmm. Once you have to add reaction to the work, then it's like how can I, what am I looking for to make a decision and then apply the action? And that's what I've seen really good results with. Just for the listener, can you explain like what you mean by reaction? Yeah. So like there's – I break training down three ways. There's there's learning what you're doing. There's drilling it so you understand it and you have it sort of in the back of your back – your, you can do it. But learning how to use it is a whole other world mm-hmm. because you might have the skill. Like I've seen guys that can do 20,000 crossovers and kill it, but in game they don't know how to use one of them. And so that's something that's – when I say reaction, it might be – for example, I might stand in front of someone, I might lift my arm and then I want them to attack that side of my frame or small little cues they look for. Or I might be in front of them and I open my stance a sort of angle and mm-hmm. I want them to attack my hip. Attack the front foot, yeah. 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 And so little things like that where it's purely based on the visual they're going to see in game, which makes them make easier connections when they get on the court. Mm. My job is just to make their life easy. Yeah, fuck yeah, I love that. So tell us about your facility because I uh, I definitely want to come out and check it out. But when did that all come about? And um uh, before before COVID, I had my facility. Um, before COVID, I had my facility, and yeah, honestly, like there wasn't really anything in Victoria that was like it at the time. I don't think Hoop City existed then, and um, it was it's only it's only small, and we're doing renovations and stuff like it to it now, which is exciting. Um, but it's. It's small because I don't really typically believe in like big group training. I I'm I would rather make a little bit less and just make sure that the quality of training is elite. Mm-hmm. So like I, when I first started coaching, I did big groups because that's kind of your only option to be able yeah. to pay the bills and and, yeah, yeah. and so you can pay your court hire and have coaches there and stuff like that. So I did bigger group training. But the issue I had like personally was I didn't see the results I wanted to see. Yeah. But so now I do sort of four to five person groups. That's even up to my MBL, MBL1 guys. I do four or five person groups at times because you'll learn one, how to be in a competitive environment. And then you'll also, I can give every one of them enough individual attention. Yep. So that's why my facility's more smaller, even though I could afford somewhere that's larger. Larger, yeah. So I guess that 
Um, but it's small, but it, it definitely does the job for me and we, we cover all the bases, but you're more than welcome to come. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely get out there. Might be able to do it for one of our adventure pods, yeah. Um, from a business model perspective, what does that look like? So obviously you've just mentioned doing like the smaller group stuff, mm. clearly the one-on-one. I'm assuming that's quite limited capacity when you're working with someone like an NBL guy where you're doing five days a week along with all the um, – kind of debriefing all their sessions and whatnot. Like how does that look from a business side of things? I, it's probably something I've got to work on where it's, where I've got this thing in me where I want such good results where I will take less money in the short term to provide I get results. Yeah. And so like basically the way that I, I live is that I've run small groups most days of the week and that's a four-person group and they're quite affordable sessions and I sort of have like four or five-person classes and I run sort of five of them a day. Yep. And I'll do that five days a week, six days a week mostly. Um, that's how I can afford like my facility and, yeah. and that sort of stuff because I do it myself because the issue is when I had other previous coaches or the challenge is one, the athletes are there for me mm-hmm. and if I'm training pretty much all my athletes right now are – high level for their age group or they're playing um, – they're pursuing a, a career in the NBL or college basketball yeah. and I can't really employ someone to go do that at this stage. Uh, and I also don't know if I want to do – I also probably think that what I want to do with my – just even just life is just like how can I provide as much value as possible to my athletes to get the best results. Mm. But the business stuff, I'm probably more – still learning what I want to do. Do yeah. I want to be like a training facility or do I want to be a a skills trainer that works with a team? And I think that's like I'm lucky these days where social media has made that more so possible. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have that ability in the future, like previously. Sorry. Previously, yeah. How did, that's That kind of leads me on to the next part is how quickly did you see growth? So you look at something like your Instagram, right? Over half a million followers, which is crazy. Thank you. Um, but – uh, with good reason, like putting out extreme amounts of value and, and very well deserved. Like how quickly did that kind of grow for you? And have you put some thought to, as you said, like what, what opportunities can stem off the back of that? Like, is it, do you have any intentions of going over to the States? Like, what does that kind of look like? So to answer your first question is I, I, the first like three years of me having Instagram, I didn't really post myself because I thought it was egotistical at the time because I sort of thought, oh, I'll make it about the athlete I'm training um, and I didn't really want to highlight myself too much. I I changed because I, I posted a video of me helping an athlete and it just like like 130-something K people viewed it and liked it. And I, I didn't realise that with me being there coaching and helping, it just – provided a lot of value mm-hmm. and I guess that I'm not really making videos hey here's me in a gym work on this one move I'm just showing what I'm doing in the, in the lab anyway documenting what you're doing yeah. yeah so I guess that it didn't didn't really hurt me to put it out and help yeah and the main reason why it's a big thing for my facility is I haven't taken clients in nine months you so haven't what sorry taking clients in nine months right so we just don't have capacity yeah and in the wait list is relatively large where I can't, I just can't, I don't have the capacity for anyone. Yeah. And so it's more. Have you thought, put any thought to, I know you clearly um, really value the one-on-one and the attention to detail and mm. results-based stuff. Have you put any thought to scaling some form of online 
program? I've thought about it. Um, I'm, I would work towards it over the next year or two years. I guess the biggest thing for me is like how can I – I don't ever want to put my name on something I don't believe in mm. and how can I make it so there's still an immense amount of value for an affordable price. And I guess that – which is probably a belief from my, my side, which I don't know if it's necessarily true or not because I think we choose to believe what we believe in for the most part. 100%, yeah. But I guess that when I was younger, I think I often think I frame my thing self as like what would I pay, what are accessible from people around the world from different situations. And I – so from a business side, I'm probably still working through internal like how do I – more self-beliefs, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I, I just really believe in like can I give as much as possible – and provide as much as value to everyone. And I'm still getting better at that. Yeah. So that's even comes like, as you'll see some facilities as I'll do mass groups mm-hmm. and it's not good for the athlete. Just people aren't getting better. Yeah. And I just, I don't really believe in that. And then it's like, what are we, what's the point are we doing this? Is it just, is it for finance or is it like, so the online stuff definitely makes sense because you've, I've got from like Instagram and TikTok and other stuff we've got, just over a million people. So yeah. it's like, oh, I know for sure if online would actually help people and I have to charge a bit for it to be actually spe- able to spend the time on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it definitely makes sense. But yeah, I think it's just learning the way to go about it. And I'd like to still, my focus, like as much as I like the social media stuff, my focus is like getting the best results possible with my NBL athletes at this time. And I just want to be, still cement my career a little bit more of, working with elite level athletes and getting elite results. Mm. And I think that'll always be there yeah. for me to do the online stuff. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So I guess that I'm just trying to take my time and just do yeah. what's best for my athletes. And one day that'll be there and that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm very thankful for the audience I have. Yeah. It's an awesome mindset to have. I, I'm fucking sorry. I cut you off before when we're talking about the social media stuff. Um, how quickly did that kind of grow? So after that, once you realize that you being in there and adding Five value in months. that, it grew quite quick. Yeah, like a, roughly a million people in like six, seven months. That's epic. And do you have? Are you shooting all that yourself? You got yep. a team doing it? Just myself. Fuck yeah. Just just me, my tripod, and a microphone. It takes me like ten minutes to make a video. Yeah, fuck, that's unreal, isn't and it? So I'm really lucky. I'm yeah. really lucky, and I just I, I I I'm I like to be quite nimble if I need to travel or if I need to fly to places, and and I guess that if if I can learn how to do things myself i may as well try to Mm -hmm. um i know long term that's not scalable but i'd like to think if i can if i need to bring a videographer or um, or a photographer on board where i actually can understand their work they're doing and be able to not have to become too reliant on them yeah and so i guess i think also i do like learning as a in general so i think that i found it really interesting to learn how to film and even something in my spare time i'm trying to learn how to do more proper filming not just like clip form yeah it's because i find it interesting so yeah. i think that i enjoy that process of learning how to edit and learning how to because a couple of years ago i would have i would have got so intimidated when it's about learning something that's completely new and not in my wheelhouse like i didn't do anything with cameras in school and i just sort of figured it out and watched youtube clips yeah. and got free content on the internet and um actually i paid for a couple of the courses that i took with the um the videography and the editing but definitely worth it yeah um, and i learned so much so i i really believe in like on a, honestly online education yeah but, for sure but to answer your original question five six months um which just was insane to me i wasn't ready for it yeah um 
I did just, you find it, it, it uh, did it have any impact on like, what am I trying to say? Like the, your thought process or even like a sense of overwhelm around like, all right, do you, did you then feel some responsibility to put out certain pieces of content now that the audience was there or did you find it easy to then just keep doing what you'd been doing? I think that it's with, with audience and value. I think I'm lucky that I can just film what I'm doing in, in sessions. I think that I try and do a good job of being clear and decisive because I don't want people doing things for no reason. Like I'll often write like a paragraph or two that I hope some people read about like why we do what we do. Uh, I think it's, I just, I just really believe in the success of my athletes. And so that that if you're if you're an athlete and me, you're also an athlete. If you're one of the million people that are around the world practicing my stuff in the backyard, like the amount of videos I get set, that just like just feeds my soul. I just like I'm I'm happy that I can help people. Yeah. And so I I get a lot of messages and I get a lot of DMs and I get whenever I like go to a basketball court or I go to Rebel Sport, I'll have people come up to me and talk to me about it, and I love it. Like I'm yeah. just glad that like these kids are like getting better, and I'm thankful that I played a small part. So. That's epic, man. I'm sure you've probably been asked this before, but hypothetically, if you were brought in to help Ben Simmons at the moment, what do you think that you would focus on? Do you think it's more of a, what looks like more of a mental thing for him or fundamentally do you reckon there's things that you feel like you could improve to get him back to playing at this level that he was at when he was at Philly early days? I, I From an outside perspective, I think you've got, the whole world judging you. And I think that would be extremely challenging to play in. And as much as there's things that I would do as a skills trainer, and I, I know I'd be at a, like, of course I've had those chats from sitting down my bed and I'm thinking, yep, I would do, I would tweak this, I'd tweak this, I'd tweak this. At the end of the day, even if, even if I did those things, if he wasn't able to go out there and be comfortable playing and enjoyed playing, nothing would really change. Mm. And from my opinion, I just hope he he's just so incredible where he's just really incredible where if he just, as when he eventually feels comfortable on the court, everything will change. Mm-hmm. And when he just breathes and he understands the game and plays with a bit more confidence, everything will change. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I'm there and I'm teaching him how to shoot the ball hundred percent of the time he could sh- even right now with no training, he would still shoot roughly 20% better. If, if he, if you could just, if you could just play with probably a bit more of like confidence and love for freedom it. and, re- and relax. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think it's the, the amount of pressure these guys face is ungodly to fathom. Mm. It's just unwildly to, to understand. Like there's times that I feel pressure and I've got n- relatively no following compared to these guys. Yeah. And, like I walk into basketball stadiums and if I'm coaching my community sport game, the court will pack up at times just from kids watching me coach. <laughs> and I randomly, I don't know why, but I, that's never happened before. Yeah. It's like I used to coach and I used to be me in a gym of like 10 cats and we're just, we're playing a community sport. But now like these courts will get full of people <laughs> and I'm like, I feel pressure. So imagine this, imagine Ben Simmons, who's, yeah. the, who's like, an Australian athlete who was on all-star teams and he's had a few bumps in the road, I could not start to fathom how hard it would be. Yeah. And, of course, if I was there, Ben, if you listen, I'm sure I'll help you a little bit, but 
I just I just have faith in him. I really do. I think he'll turn around. Yeah, I I, I really hope so. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to watch in terms of as you said, just seeing like the pressure, but then how quickly people just jump on the bad bandwagon of of uh, of talking shit. I, as you said, I couldn't even imagine how unbelievably difficult it would be mm. mentally. Um, and that's it. Like you have that one. Like it'd be fucking hard to find the motivation to even step out on court to play, let alone get out there and play freely. Um, in in the NBL, what are your opinion on who you think fundamental, like skill wise, and um, and like fundamental skill wise, is the best shooter in the NBL at the moment? I'm so biased. I'm so biased. Like DJ Vasilovic is a killer. I've worked with. Um, there's, there's game three tonight. I reckon he'll win. Um, but DJ's a killer. I'm biased, and I think there's guys that are on that are not probably getting the recognition they need, but necessarily even just confidence from confidence at times. Like I think the world that would impact some of these guys that are on those lower, just maybe the second or so, third or so rotation of the team, if a little bit of confidence and a little bit of a license, these guys would shoot the piss out the ball. Yeah. And so I, I probably couldn't give you a great answer. Golding's incredible. Mm. Um, he shoots that thing really well. Like, honestly, and I'm biased, but Ben Air shoots the ball better than anyone I've ever trained. Like, really? I, I'm talking like, I'm talking goes in and doesn't miss during sessions. Like, at all. But you've got to think if you're going in and you're 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 getting two minutes at the end of the quarter for a whole game yeah. or three minutes, your runaway is real short and it's a different style of playing. And so I guess that if you I think the the shooting would be incredible if like of course everyone doesn't have the same license because it's earned and you've got to take mm. years to get there. But like the sessions I've done with Ben and he doesn't miss, you wouldn't be able to fathom what's going on. That's crazy. DJ is really similar. DJ yeah. will just shoot the piss out the ball. Let's it fly. He's not yeah. afraid to let it fly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's a weapon. Like I, that boy will go to the NBA. You think? Dead set. Wow. DJ will. DJ will. D- the stuff that DJ dude can do, no one even knows it yet. Like DJ has to play a role, but DJ is so he's so strong. His range behind the three is fucking incredible. He, he's had games where that thing never hits the ring. It's even in, like there's moments. Tore up the, uh, our team, the Phoenix last year, actually. Yeah, dropped 40 on us. Oh, I think it was, was it 40? Oh, no, sorry, he hit 10 threes. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, against wild. Phoenix. Yeah, but he's he's just, I reckon he'll go to the league for sure. Um, and he's just so strong as well. Like I'll, I'm a pretty strong dude and I'll get shoved the shit out of by DJ, oh, DJ yeah. yeah, and I'll try and push him. I won't <laughs> be able to. And I think that if he tweaks one or two things, he'll be just weapon, weapon. Fuck yeah! Who else? Who else? I'm interested to hear who you think current plays in the NBL right now. Who you think will have the potential to end up in the league? Ruben. Yep. Give me a year. Wow. Yeah, if he wants to, he might not want to. He's he's gonna be, he's like the man for the Tall Blacks team in New Zealand right now. Which is, I think is exciting. So unfortunately, Shay's out because he's um, Shay Ellie's out because concussion. Um, yeah, he's he's building his way back, but I don't think he's like ready to jump right back in yeah. the stage. And that's um, the, that's from concussions. I think so. Shit, I wouldn't probably be the person to ask about it. Yeah, um, but I think that Ruman's running more of the 
uh, tall black stuff, which is awesome for him. But I just, I think he'll shock people next year. I can't wait. I'm so excited for him. Um, if, if he wants to, he'd be able to. He might not even want to. So I probably shouldn't say that to the NBA, but he guess I think he's talented enough to. I think it's just tweaking a few small things. Young kids coming through. Um, Travis from Perth, like Luke Travis, yeah. is a weapon. Is he still on the Cavs? Is he on the Cavs list? You might be right. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Um, he's a weapon. DJ Vasilovic, honestly, he's just. I just think he's got so much upside. I could. I could just. Go, I just think he's got so much upside. And there's guys like. There's guys that I want to say, but I'll, I'll give him another year in the NBL before I say it. Wow. So we'll recap and we'll do it then. Yeah, fucking nice. Look forward to it. Mate, where what do you have a connection with Wilson basketball, right? Yep. Awesome. What does that how does that play out? What's what's that involve? In that's big. They look after me. Yeah. We, we've worked together for um three years now. And so I originally came to them a few years ago because I had a bunch of athletes going to college. Mm-hmm. And so that was the ball they used for college. And at the time the NBL was used still using that as a basketball. Yeah. Um they're really good people. They're really good people and they've always believed in me. And I guess that I've had offers and deals from companies that would pay me pay me quite honestly more money, but I've stuck with them because they've always been there for me. Yeah. And anything that I needed, they said yes to, which I think I was really lucky with. That's awesome. Uh, so I guess that, and like from my perspective, I don't want to work with a brand if I can't like, if I can't truly deliver for them as well and and provide value and and play my role so i guess that one day if i'm ever with an apparel company or a footwear company that's kind of my same motto is like provide as much value as possible mm-hmm. hopefully we can story tell and help the community in the process mm-hmm. like the amount of like community giveaways and the bosses wilson's have helped me give to people that we don't even talk about like there's a ma- there's a bunch of just work they look after me for with projects that no one will ever see just because of goodwill and that is it's just awesome so awesome I'm really thankful awesome brand to be a part of then yeah fuck yeah what um oh sorry that's what I was gonna ask who is there a coach whether it be in the NBA college basketball wherever it may be that you kind of take a lot of value from like certain coaches that you feel like you've got lessons from or or you kind of look at as I wouldn't say mentor but look mm-hmm. at someone who you love to take some stuff away from from the skills training world it would be probably three people it would be Phil Handy which is the assistant Lakers coach who's incredible and really smart drew hanlon um from who basically works with a bunch of nba guys he works with like jason tatum and uh, joel Embiid and um a bunch of cats but just he's just extremely intelligent which i like to learn from mm. uh chris brickley is the way that he holds himself is something to be highly respected the just the manner he holds and the way he moves to this world of social media entertainment is just is something to respect thoroughly because it's a it's a funny world being a skills trainer is now a sexy thing to do yeah because i'm not i'm not used to it i'm just happy with me in a basketball and yeah doing it but i think it's you got chris running games with guys like little dirk and fucking drake and being like nba 2k the stuff that he's done for the community and and basically like showing the pathway is just is just incredible so those three, from a skills training perspective, I probably take little things from each of them. Awesome. Uh, from a game perspective, Eric Spolstra um, is just really smart. Steve Kerr, I'm just really smart. I just study a lot of it. Like, 
I'm a nerd when it comes to it where I'm just yeah. like I do the skill side of things and then I have to make sure I understand the team concepts and the way that the game is shifting so I can make sure that my work is applicable to real-life scenarios. And that's the same as NBL. Like I'll watch heaps of Adam Ford stuff and yep. if it's Cairns or if it's Fabana or whatever it is just to make sure that I can still do my job and be as much of a service to these guys as possible. Unreal, mate. Well, I'm really looking forward to keeping up with your journey. And and as you said, hopefully we'll sit down again some, t- some stage within the, um, the next 12 months, whatever, and we'll try and come out to the facility. But uh, love your work, mate. Love, love what you're doing and how passionate you are about it. And I'm sure the, the listeners or the viewers today have taken a lot of value from it as well. Um, and if you have, we'd love for you to take a screenshot Post it up on your Instagram story. Tag myself, tag Jono. Um, we'll have the links to his socials and whatnot in the, the show notes below. And um, thanks for coming in, man. I really appreciate, appreciate it. So thankful to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. 